near an ear, a nearer ear, a near near. Oh shit! <laughs> near an ear, a nearer ear, a nearly eerie ear. Near an ear, a near ear. Oh. <laughs> near an e- near an ear, a near ear, a nearly eerie ear. Close. <laughs> that was close. Yeah, near an ear, a near ear, a nearly eerie ear. Near an ear, a near ear, a nearly eerie ear. Hello and welcome to Are We All Met, the podcast where we endeavor to connect with our community of performing artists, emerging, working, and in progress during the COVID-19 pandemic, and find out how we're moving forward. I'm Sean Hayde. And I'm Anna Atkinson. Today we are talking with Dylan Thomas Boucher. Dylan is an Indigenous dis arts storyteller, born and raised on Treaty 8 territory. Starting in community theatre, Dylan is now an actor at the National Theatre School of Canada, class of 2021. He is also our first ever Aquarius on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Dylan. Wow, we're like nearing episode 10 and I'm your first Aquarius. I feel so special. (laughs) <laughs> it's al- your age the age I'm, of aquarius i'm also like double aquarius like i'm just okay. all around aquarius sun moon everything what wow yeah. wow that's not very common no i don't know what any of that means so. <laughs> you don't have to that's great <laughs> i'm so thrilled to be talking with you today because we go way back we mm. actually met at theater alberta's arts trek which you may remember from our episodes with Luke Tellier and Babs Lopez. And if you haven't already started to pick up this, this place is really special and magical. So of course I meet special and magical people like Luke, Babs, and Dylan. But now we've both ended up studying in Montreal. You, like you said, at the National Theatre School, NTS, um, Mm -hmm. and me at McGill. Um, So yeah, it's kind of small, small world. Um, So thank you for being here today, Dylan. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Let's kick it off, as always, with our book game. Um, we'll give you a random page number, and then you'll read the first sentence from that page. Sound good? Yep. Cool. What book do you have for us today? Uh, so it's a little untraditional. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a graphic novel, uh, but it's, it's, it's the one graphic novel that throughout the years I've always traveled with, uh, even when... I was going through the fires of Fort McMurray in 2016. I mm. stuffed I stuffed it into my backpack before running out the door. <laughs> uh, it is uh, it's the Killing Joke, written by Alan Moore in 1985. It is the um, it's my favorite graphic novel and Joker story of all time. Uh, and it's yeah, I I I have like monologues memorized from it. Wow. Uh, so so yeah, this is like my my book now. There's no page number, so you'll just have to give me a number, and I'll have to flip through and uh, oh, and, okay. and find it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, it sounds like a very special book to you. Um, so let's maybe just somewhere like right in the middle. We'll okay. call it page fifty. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's page find halfway. Some. Page halfway through the book. <laughs> Is that about? Yeah, that's about halfway. Okay. So. I'm going middle panel. This is actually... uh, So Joker has just uh, taken Jim Gordon, the commissioner of of Gotham City Police, if you know, uh, into his carnival of of destruction. And uh, and Jim is not having a good time. And uh, Joker is talking about 
uh, memory. Okay. But can we live without them? Memories are what our reason is based upon. If we can't face them, then we deny reason itself. Memories are what our reason is based on. Yes. I love that. Deep if stuff, yeah. I love that monologue. It is, um, one, one day uh, I will record that graphic novel as like a radio play. Cool. And just, pu- and just put it out for fun. That would yeah. be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, so yeah that's, that's like, so cool. That was that, that was actually one of my summer projects. I was like, because voice acting is something I want to develop and mm-hmm. and tr- train myself in doing. So, a start for me was let's take this graphic novel and let's figure out character voices for every single one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do all of the male parts in in the in the piece and edit it together and, and get a female friend of mine to do the the female voices and basically put it out for nothing and and as a as a radio play not make a cent off it so dc doesn't sue me (laughs) (laughs) smart (laughs) great so i'd like to just open up our conversation maybe by asking you how your concept of community particularly in the performing arts and at nts has changed over the past several months how it stayed the same how has this pandemic affected um, your notions of community? So when I think of com- like community was the thing that got me into theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I needed a sense of community. Um, I, I didn't really have one before finding theater. Um, and and as as you as you point out, NTS is it's it's its own specific uh, community of, of of people that are that are pushing every single day to to get through this intense program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I so it was a, it was a struggle at the, at the beginning of of COVID when we were doing online classes. Mm. Um, online classes is not what I signed up for. It's not what any of us <laughs> signed up for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, the, in, in, in this performance arts realm. Um, I actually, I was doing a online uh, version of the Henry's of, of Shakespeare's Henry's. Um, mm. We were doing uh, like a version of three of them together into, into one. Um, uh, was it, I think it was 60 or 80 pages. And we were all we were doing it from our apartments in uh, in Zoom and po- and doing it live online. Uh, at that time, I was in Victoria, BC, living with my mom mm. uh, in her w- one one bedroom apartment. Um, and it, I like all of my training, all of my. Um, what I had learned how to handle the work and handle the workload had kind of gone out the window and I had a breakdown. Mm. Uh, it was like the last week, like four days before we were supposed to do it. Um, Mm. and I had a breakdown in class and, um, I almost, I almost left the project, uh, 
for my for my own health mm-hmm. um, because I, I wasn't I, I, I wasn't feeling prepared uh, with the project I I, I, I couldn't do the, the basic amount of work and prep that that one expects of oneself I felt like I had done better work in a in a high school production when I was 16 and didn't know about any of this prep work that one can do as an actor and and I feel like I wasn't serving myself Um, and so at that point my sense of community was just completely out the window because I I didn't have my people right I, I, I didn't have I didn't have my class we were all in different places uh, we were all struggling through personal things and, and school things. And that was hard. And I remember I eventually made my, my way to Calgary after school had finished and I'd had conversations with the program leaders and everything. And I talked to my dad once we were, t- once we were together in Calgary and he, re- he reminded me of the simple fact that Especially now, all you can do is take it day by day. Mm. You can't worry about what you should be doing, what you should be preparing for. Uh, the like your own perception of of workload and, and 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 what you think you can do doesn't matter. It's 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 what can you do today just to best serve yourself. Mm. And mm-hmm. I I took that mentality forward and and then I was able to serve myself and, and then serve my community because it, later on, um, my school had this big outcry from students and alumni about uh, how, how they serve people of color mm. and in indigenous and black students in the theater realm and the, in the institution realm. And I immediately jumped on onto that conversation as the indigenous person that I am and was able to serve my community in let's, let's best, uh, let's make an environment going into our final year, whatever that may look like, where we can actually feel comfortable and feel supported. Um, because through that time at the end of COVID or the beginning of COVID, I wasn't feeling supported by a lot of the institution mm-hmm. um, or by my own training that I had done like uh, uh, and and my my own community that I was so reliant on because I think I, I think the struggle for me as a student was when I was in the when I was in the program and everything was normal before COVID um, you're, you're you run on fumes you get you get blinders on and you just kind of you can you can sometimes put your head down and just try to get the work done and that's what you have to do to survive through the six-day schedule with your with your one day off and um and that was possible because we were always going we were always in the schedule but then but then the schedule went away Mm -hmm. and now i now you just have yourself um I guess my, my point what my point is 
I didn't have my community at the start of this. And then because I was able to like actually take time away and relax a little bit, I was able to come back for my school and um, I feel okay now. I feel okay now uh, as, as, a, as a student coming back in uh, because I've now reconnected with the community and we're having these conversations about COVID, but, but also as people of as people of color in the school, what do we need? What do we need to do to serve ourselves? And what does the institution have to do? Because uh, to bet to best serve us, which is a which is a much bigger, uh, sometimes slower conversation. Because you're dealing we're we're dealing with mm -hmm. uh, CEOs and uh, board of directors and uh, mm -hmm. program leaders. Um, it's 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 hard. I I think. I think I think the most important thing that people can do if you can safely do it you need to find your people you need to find your community of people that you trust and uh, you can fall back on a little bit uh, to best support you because you know while we may be uh, away from our overall bigger communities uh, especially now in in Canada uh, like we can we can have small bubbles we can have a, a, a small support group that we can go to and whether that's family friends or for me right now it's classmates that I know I'm gonna be that I know I'm gonna be working with anyway so they're gonna enter my bubble um, and uh, now so that's my support that's the support I have and uh, yeah so um, I would love to hear a little bit about like the steps that you have been taking and will continue to take to um, get your university's attention and get the attention of your classmates in order to best serve uh, the BIPOC community and yeah. Um, yeah. With NTS specifically, it's been quite the development. So uh, a few months back, a a teacher and artist, uh, Lisa Karen Cox, uh, wrote a letter in response to my school's Black Lives Matter statement. Mm. Um, basically, she had contacted students and alumni who were willing to talk with her and um, wrote a response that was very articulate and said, in these ways, here's how I think you're contradicting your own statement of values, mm -hmm. uh, your, uh, what, is expect what, what is the expectation of your school as a gateway to the professional world, as, as NTS likes to call themselves. Um, and then from that, from that initial letter, the, the, the school responded and there was an action plan that they had developed and eventually a student coalition of, of indigenous black people of color uh, came together and formed and said, well, what you have done is you have made these statements and these platitudes and you say you're going to do all this work, but we actually feel that you're not including people of color in, in these discussions. Mm. In the action plan that was being developed was like long being developed before this letter was put out by Lisa Karen Cox. Mm -hmm. 
so any response to the letter wasn't really a response to the letter. It was basically like we're putting a bandaid on, band-aid on the situation by saying here's what we're already doing. But like to be fair, the school's board is like 90% white. There's one woman of color on that board, to my knowledge. Uh, the the school leadership is white, mm-hmm. uh, like all program directors. So anyone who had developed an action plan, uh, I I I can say with almost certainty that there there weren't people of color included included in that conversation because they hadn't they hadn't emailed alumni, they hadn't emailed current students and asked for opinion hmm. uh, or uh, statements on how they think the school has developed. Um, so we, as a student coalition that was formed, came together and said, okay, well, we need to respond to this. And we, we eventually uh, started in conversation with the CEO of the school. So we've been having consistent uh, Zoom calls with the CEO of NTS, uh, Gideon Arthurs, and uh, we are now in direct involvement with how th- what their action plan will be uh, to to s- not only serve the students but serve the the s- the, s- the school itself and the teachers, mm-hmm. so that so that um, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. What a lot of schools will do is they will just include more diverse content in the cu- curriculum, mm-hmm. right? So, y- so you may see a Janet Sears play put into the curriculum because she is a black female playwright. But the question becomes, how do we teach that? Who is teaching that? Wh- what about the curi- curriculum has changed so that this content that is diverse and talks about certain issues can actually be taught safely mm-hmm. and presented safely mm, yes. so that people of color that are doing the production feel safe and, and um, feel heard. That's, that's, only, that's only one issue, but these are some, that's one of the things that we talk about is, okay, you can, you can hire people of color to be in your staff. You can you can have diverse content in your curriculum, but how do we create a environment and create a, a culture within the school so that people of color can actually feel like they're being taught by people of color that aren't being colonialized by uh-huh. a system of teach mm. because it's a because it's a Western uh, philosophy of teaching. That, mm-hmm. that the school has adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and through all of that, you know, they are starting, they are starting to acknowledge, okay, we are, we are, w- what we do uh, is we have a, a white uh, European way of teaching. So, and that is supported by a, uh, a systemic uh, problem and and it's supported by a culture of white supremacy and, and all of this so that's acknowledging the history that that's already there mm-hmm. that's good uh, but now uh, as students as as 
like myself, I'm talking with the CEO and saying, okay, here's how I think you can best support indigenous people in your, in your school. As, as an indigenous person, I, I don't feel s just comfortable because you have a land acknowledgement written on your wall. Mm. Like that's, that's not enough for me. I, I don't feel I don't feel heard because we're now reading a Drew, a Drew Hayden Taylor play. Um, but what what does help is bringing in indigenous artists to speak or to teach, and then giving them the tools and the freedom to teach in a way that supports the, the culture and supports a way that they can put themselves into their teaching. Um, so that's, that's something that I'm pushing for. And, uh, and, and then also there, there has been, there has been issues with st staff and pedagogical staff about not, not, they feel like they support their people of color within the student body. But there's a lot of issue of people of color going to the heads of the school and saying, here's how you have hurt me. Mm. And here's how I, I now have trauma linked to the school because either I brought a complaint and it wasn't heard. I brought mm. a complaint and I was told that maybe the school wasn't the right choice for me. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I've had history of of um, saying this this class is challenging, or I don't understand this concept, and I've been told, well, well, maybe we we need to reevaluate reevaluate your position at the school. Maybe maybe mm. you take maybe you take a year off. Maybe maybe you don't come back. Maybe, maybe you do one show so you get this show out of the way in your graduating year and then you can leave. Like these are options I got. And I'm not saying that, because uh, other people got other options. I've, I've seen people, they leave before a break, they come back a month later, they feel refreshed. That's good for them. But that is not, a, a inclusive option like that was not given to everybody. So, people of color who have said I have these issues or hey we're doing a show and it very much touches on these traumas the support system wasn't there initially so that we could actually do the work in a healthy way a lot of the time a answer was maybe you need to remove yourself mm. um, so these are just some of the things that I'm I'm seeing and, and talking about mm. with the school uh, a lot of it is challenging uh, but I but I will tell you this because I'm having direct conversations with the CEO he hears it you know he he hears it and he he knows that, that things have to change within the school itself and his teaching staff and and all of this um, and I and I said I uh, you know if if uh, if you go on my Facebook page you'll you'll see me I, I've typed out responses to my school and I have I have um, mm. I, I've said very publicly you know I don't feel safe in in your school 
I, like, I, I don't feel safe or supported by your staff, um, but I'm still going back. I'm, I'm still going back for my graduating year because I, f well, I feel an obligation to finish for one, for myself, but also throughout these conversations, I know that there is an effort to, to change. It's not going to be immediate. A lot of the things that I wish I had day one of first year won't be there when I, when I graduate. But I do want to, I do want to say it like one day, like I had a friend of mine, he's indigenous and he asked me, in your opinion, do you think, do you think NTS is a good school for an indigenous artist who wants to develop their process? Mm. And I said, right now, you have to be a very specific artist who is willing to deal with a very, like a certain amount of things to go there because I think most indigenous students will not feel supported in that system. Uh, and that's hard for me to say as, as an indigenous person there, but also as mm -hmm. a dis artist there who lives with cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. um, it's, not a, it's not an accessible space either. Um, so I can't say right now that it's a good place for those, those types of artists who want to foster a relationship where those things are celebrated and um, taken care of because yeah. it's I, it's not but yeah. I I they are they are doing their they are doing their best mm -hmm. so that's that's what that's what makes me go back mm. and also my my class itself I have a good cohort of people if if, if mm. I didn't yeah. if I if I didn't love my class as I'm sure y you have good relationships in your class then I, I wouldn't go back but I, I do feel supported by them as well that's, that's great to hear. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That sounds like there's so much that's just incredibly difficult. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I am really happy to hear that your class and has been a support system and you feel that though it's not um, an accessible or safe space yet for everybody, that there's a momentum to make it so. And um, in that momentum, what, before you leave, do you have any specific goals? Like within the next year before you graduate, are there any like little markers that you're looking to hit? One thing that I've been working on for two years um, is with my class, we've, we've been trying to develop a system and a way of communicating about land acknowledgement uh, in in the theater environment that is helpful. Um, so e everyone kind of has their own uh, way of of working through a land a land acknowledgement. Everyone has their own expectation. This is like I, I said to my to my class at one point: a good land acknowledgement is the hill that I'm worth dying on. So if mm. I'm going to ch if I'm going to change anything before I leave, it is the it is the um, expectation of, of what a good land acknowledgement is is, um, but not not so that like NTS can take my model 
and say that they have adopted the perfect land acknowledgement. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying for my class specifically, we have had long conversation about what we think is important to a land acknowledgement. It's ongoing. Um, and for our class, we are doing our best to incorporate the land acknowledgement not only as a good acknowledgement of the land itself, the, the, the ones who, who live there, uh, what, what we are trying to ac like accomplish as artists on the land, what we want to do, all of that, but how does that, how does that connect to the play we're doing? Because that's what we're there to do. We're yeah. there to be artists. We're there to present a play. So how does those, how do those points that are so important to the land and important to indigenous people, how does that connect to the Shakespeare play that, that we're doing? How, mm -hmm. what, 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 um, what thematic parallels can I find uh, with this play and and a land acknowledgement so I am trying to get it get get it get the conversation to a point w within NTS where we recognize that developing a land acknowledgement one thing um, is an ongoing conversation it's a, it's a changing conversation all the time every project you do the land acknowledgement should reflect the project you're doing. Mm. It's, it's not about writing out a good land acknowledgement for the year. It's about changing it so that you feel comfortable connecting it to the show you're doing. Um, and, uh, and also, one thing that I haven't been able to accomplish yet connected to this is the importance of making it part of the workday. Mm, talking about yeah. a land acknowledgement developing a land acknowledgement should not be done on your off time it shouldn't be something that is expected to be brought in at mm -hmm. the beginning of rehearsal because you worked on it the night before it should be carved into your rehearsal schedule yeah. so that everybody in the process not just the actors but the actors the director your artistic team can all be part of the discussion so that by the time you get to production week Everybody has an idea of, of how this land acknowledgement connects to your show and to your work. So that's the one hill I'm, I'm willing to die on for NTS. And uh, it's, you know, I've had, I've had good, good success with it, and I've also fallen on my face. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a real up and down. Because I, because I have these conversations, even with indigenous people, the expectation mm -hmm. of what a land acknowledgement is within indigenous communities is so unique and different for everybody. Some indigenous people, like to be blunt, they say it's not for us. Huh. It's, for the white, it's for the white people. Mm -hmm. there's, this, uh, there's an idea that this is to make them feel good. It's, n it's not for indigenous people. Uh, Do you I mean as they stand today, the, pur the purpose of a land acknowledgement is being used to make white people feel like they're doing a good job. Yeah. So yeah. When, I, when I hear that, I think most land, land acknowledgements seen today are written, written on a piece of paper and read on stage 
they, d they don't reflect the work you're doing. Mm -hmm. They also don't, this is important, they often don't lay out a plan where they say, here's who we're acknowledging, here's how we're going to support them in the future. Mm. Yes. It is, it, it's simply mm -hmm. a blanket statement that says, okay, we've now said those treaties, we've now said those people, we can now do our work. Um, which, which I, th and I, and in that sense, I, I do think, you know, if, if you're not going to put the appropriate amount of work in, then yeah, you're just serving yourself as the already privileged. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not doing anything for the communities that, that have felt stepped on mm -hmm. f long before, like before Canada was a country. Um, yeah. it's very performative activism. And I'm of a different mindset. Um, for me, I, I, I didn't grow up with a, a deep understanding of my culture. Mm. I, I, I didn't grow up feeling supported by my culture. I, I was sheltered from my culture as, as a kid. Um, there's, there's a lot of trauma in my family that my mom tried to shelter me from and uh, experience I, I, I didn't get. So for me, as a sheltered indigenous kid, discussing land acknowledgement and realizing whose land I'm on, it's important to my personal identity. Mm -hmm. It's important for me to re recognize where I am, who I'm, who I'm with, and how I can support um, myself within that and, and, and hopefully one day support other people uh, through my work. So for me, a land, a land acknowledgement is really important as an, as an indigenous person because it, it somehow connects me to a history mm. that I am, am learning about and developing. Um, so in, in that sense, I'm, I'm not so cynical. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, but, I under, but I understand the cynic side of it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've said this to my class and I've also I've also done this. I've also I've also been the person where we don't develop a good land acknowledgement and the teacher looks at me and says, "Well, you do it." You know, I I've, I've been in that environment. Yeah. And I've and yeah. I, and and I've done it because I felt like, well, I I have to. Um uh -huh. but I have also like and I, but I think I have also said this, and I do believe it. If you if you aren't able to put the time in, and develop a good land acknowledgement that you feel comfortable with, and that connects to the work, and and you think honors the history of where you are, then scrap it. Mm. Don't don't try to put on, put something up that is half done. Yeah. Or if if I was in your audience. If you think I was in your audience and you start your land, land acknowledgement and me as an indigenous person will let it go up, go in one ear and out the other, because I've done that too. If, if I know a land acknowledgement isn't going to be done well, I'm not going to listen to it mm. because, I, because I know you're not serving me. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if you think your land, land acknowledgement is at that point, sc scrap it. Mm -hmm. Just, just do, do, your, do your work and come back to it another day. Mm. Maybe, maybe, for, maybe for the next show, you do better. 
so important to to realize the the necessity and the importance of these these things and land acknowledgements how they're not just you know a little pre-show thing we do and then okay now we can get on with the show it like you're saying it's so important to like the whole to everyone involved so yeah Mm -hmm. um i was wanting to ask you um going back to something you said a while earlier you're talking about how nts can frame itself as like the gateway into the industry so what does that mean now that you know our our systems of you know working and working in the theater have changed is it what is the gate what is nts the gateway to now that theater is a question mark on what the future will be and for you personally where's this gateway leading right yeah that's a good question because when i when i got into the program the idea of we are the gateway means that here are the tools we will give you by the end of your program and you're going to have this showcase and your you know opportunities to meet these these um uh these directors and these agents and uh will set you like set you up and set you up with a process so that you feel ready all this stuff um now i feel uh, like i feel especially uh bad for the people that are coming into their first year and going into their second year yeah where they're in the center they're they're in the middle of this uh program that doesn't know what it is um like nts to my like it it can't know what it is now it it can't it can't call itself a gateway to an industry that the where, where the industry as a whole is really as you said a big question mark because i can't you know I can't go to New York now and, and, and try to work there if, if I want to go across the border. Uh, I don't know what work is in Toronto now. Um, so I think a- NTS's role now should be, well, we're still going to try and d- help you develop your process. Because this is uh, it's an ongoing thing. It's not, you're not going to solve your process in three years. As an artist, you're not going to figure out what you need in three years, but there are still good people there that work and can teach, and they can teach you the best they can within this environment that is Mm. so confusing and also exhausting um, in so many ways. So they can still set you up so that you can have those conversations, but I think the the piece that's missing now in in the social distance world is we can give you the tools but how do we how do we put it all together like for that's the question for me as a as a graduating student i now have these tools written in notebooks and and the process is developing but the challenge for me now is because the year is so different and my graduating season is really it's there but it's up in the air and how we're going to deliver it 
the how how do we put all those pieces together and this is the product like this is the this is what you're mm. this is what you should expect going into the industry because we we can't expect anything uh, um that's why for me how i'm setting myself up um a lot more focus on w how i develop work rather than how i prepare for auditions because you don't know what work is going to be out there so i think as artists in this world emerging student or professional already working i think we all have to retool our perspective so that we can look at ourselves and say okay well in this environment what can i deliver what what work mm -hmm. can i develop and you're, you're already seeing it. You're seeing one-man shows in apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I've, I've seen one-man shows where people drive to, your, drive to your driveway and they set up on your driveway and, and you watch from your porch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, a, cool. that's a project a classmate of mine did. Um, oh, cool. S so it's, I think as students and as a person going into the industry, I have to focus on what 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 am I writing? Like, uh, I I've been working on my writing. I've been working on developing scripts that are one one man shows and two man shows that can be done uh, with a small team. Uh, or m maybe I maybe I need to work on that writing that feature film, you know, or what whatever. Um, so so that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm taking these months to figure out how I can serve myself and not rely so much on a director in Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, rely on the audition grind. I, 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 didn't, mm -hmm. I, never, I never liked the idea of the audition grind anyway. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, a, I'm an indigenous dis artist who has a lazy eye and, and walks with a limp. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be the, 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 the blonde uh, main actor who, you know, who gets the, bi the big role all the time, but I can write really interesting stuff for myself. Mm. I can write really engaging work and I can pitch more interesting stories uh, than what may already be out there. Um, yeah. So that's what I have to do. I think NTS specifically, mm -hmm. just uh, like, Understand that the professional world is is really a, a big question mark, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Like it's it's okay not knowing what is out there mm -hmm. from from all sides. It's just do do your best so that when you're out there working, you can kind of go in a bunch of different directions. Like mm. don't 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 get in a situation where well because that because that agency isn't looking for new people to sign i have no work because th that director is no longer doing that season i have no work mm -hmm. like there's there there's work out there in in some fashion maybe maybe you have to make it yeah. but but it but it's it's going to be out there yeah, as long as there's creative people 
there are creative projects. Mm -hmm. I think that's something I've personally found this summer and with this, you know, since the pandemic started, like, as long as there's creative, um, thoughtful, mindful people, they'll be creative, thoughtful, mindful, and like, rich um, creative mm -hmm. projects. And, and people need it. Yeah, and it's exciting and it's new. Exactly. There's a lot of magic that happens when you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I think it, it, it's gotten people to use different muscles of their creative, of their creative self yeah. uh, mm -hmm. that we've never had to work before. Um, so if you're, if you're looking for a silver lining, you know, it's, it's, it's there. It's just, but I, and I, I, I said this a little bit in the pre-write-up. All of that's great. All of that's important. And it's great to recognize what is out there. But with COVID happening, it's equally, if not more important, to recognize uh, your own energy tank. Mm -hmm. uh, and not, not feel bad if you have a day where you wake up at noon and you do nothing until mm -hmm. s until 6 p.m. Yeah. Because at the like, end of the day, we're all just trying to survive. <laughs> exactly. Um, we, are in a, we are in a culture of survival right now. Yeah. Um, and if I'm, if, I, if I'm to go back to the, like, what I do at NTS, my goal at NTS is not to be a student that survives. My goal at NTS is to be a student who can thrive within the culture of NTS. Like mm -hmm. that's that's the goal there, but yeah. I think but I think overall globally in in our day-to-day -day life, it's okay that we are in a culture that of survival where I just I just need to get through the day. Mm -hmm. Because if if that's what you need to get through, like if 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 I just need to focus on my afternoon. That's good enough like I, I i wouldn't beat myself up ab about that it it goes back to what i said at the beginning it's just take it day by day and if you can't if you can't get that writing done within the week that you had laid out for yourself it's 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 okay because especially if you're not working right now like you just because you have so much time in in, in quotes like in on paper, you have so much time. Mm -hmm. It's important to recognize that if you use 30% of the time that you would normally use for your uh, artistic process or what, what you think is productive, and that's what you're able to do, mm -hmm. then, then that in itself is an accomplishment because you are not then putting yourself in a position where you feel drained. You're not pushing your you're not pushing yourself beyond your capabilities, and then that can itself become a spiral that is way more challenging to do th the basic things. Mm -hmm. So I think acknowledging where people's energies are is 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 an equal part of the puzzle of how do I do this? How do I do all of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is so so important um yeah unfortunately we're coming close to the end of our time um but i wanted to ask you 
where can our audiences find you? Social media, website, perhaps any all that good stuff. Um, all of my social media is uh, D Thomas Boucher without the without the hyphen. Um, mm-hmm. So Instagram is is D Thomas Boucher. In, uh, face, uh, Twitter is D Thomas Boucher. Although my t- my my Twitter is like mostly me talking about wrestling. So if you care <laughs> about, about pro wrestling, you can see that. Um, and and uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't have I don't have shows going on right now. But um, as as is in my bio for this. Um, I've been writing recently, so if you wanted to see a a, a public reading I did of uh, a, a one-man show I was writing called Finding Spirit, and then I just this week uh, was asked by the University of Alberta BFA acting class to take part in their monologue writing uh, Ooh, event. Sweet. Cool. Congrats. So I had eight hours to write a monologue, and then an actor had eight hours to memorize it and shoot it. So. Ah. Uh, that is up on the U of A BFA t- 2022 Facebook page and their Instagram. So if you want to check that out, cool. that's some of the writing I've been doing. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, we will be sure to link all of that and get that out to people yes. so that they can check you out. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have. Thank you so much for taking your time effort energy out of your day to uh talk to us for a little bit and give us some insight on how you've been uh during this pandemic and moving forward and you've you've really brought us a lot of of great information on on what your needs are as an artist and as a BIPOC community and um yeah it's been it's been very great to hear from you well, thank you for having me. An hour goes by so fast. It does. It really does. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was so it was so so awesome to talk to you again, Dylan. And I hope we get the chance to do so a lot more. We'll definitely keep in touch. Um, so yes. thank you so much for being here and sharing your beautiful little corner of the performing arts world with us <laughs> on our little baby podcast. <laughs> thank um, you. And thank you to all of our audience as well for listening. This has been episode eight of Are We All Met? New episodes coming at you every Monday, anywhere you find podcasts. Bisous. Love you all. <laughs> Bye. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Bye.